Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Chimp and the Champ podcasts. Scott and Josh are back for our new and revamped podcast. Um, we have been gone for a couple of months as we revamped and restructured our podcast. Um, reason being was, um, if anybody cares to know, we were putting out a lot of content every week, every Sunday we were sitting down with a guest. We had quality guests. However, me more than Josh, uh, getting a little burnout. So we decided we need wanted quality over quantity. So we decided to step back a little bit, revamp our podcast. We choose our guests now um, a couple months in advance so we have time to advertise them, prepare better questions, don't rush through this, and have a, um, a good experience with the podcast because we want the listeners to enjoy it, we want people to learn and take away from it, and we want our guests to make sure that they have the best experience possible on our podcast. So with that being said, we are back. Um, today we have to sit down with um, a Spartan obstacle course racer extraordinaire, Mr. John Castle, and we are going to deep dive into his um, forte and his expertise in obstacle course racing. He is currently, um, he has won seven, he just corrected me earlier, seven Spartan races at 55, 56. Well, just I, five, seven ultras this year. Five of them were first place, but several first place in supers and sprints as well on top of that. And how old are you? And how old are you? 55. 55 years old. So we're going to talk about all that in a second. Um, let's talk about some updates at the gym. Yep. Um, first and foremost, we have... Uh, Gorilla Games Inner Rage coming up for Saturday in January or February. February yep. If you are not signed up, you need to get signed up. Can't guarantee you a shirt, but we can probably guarantee you a spot. So yep. if you have any questions, reach out to Ray or Ange or myself. We can get you hooked up or Josh. And if I can do it, I would certainly think anybody else can do it. This too. will be Josh's <laughs> first event. This will be pretty, I'm pretty soaked. If the, pretty the chimp can do it, you should show up and do it too. It's Just going awesome. So, uh, we are back. It's been a rough start to uh, 2023 for myself. Um, we talked about this earlier, put it out there. Um, I haven't worked out a whole lot. I haven't done much. Kind of went through a little bit of a um, mental health. I don't want to call it a crisis, but for lack of terms, it was a bit of a crisis. Went through. Um, back at it. We're fixed it. We got I'm on the right path. So uh, we're going to start really uh, hammering away again and getting back on track and doing what we do best. And I got your ass out in the woods this morning. Yeah, we did. So we went, went for a little... A little rock, rock hike, a little rock march, which when we talk about it, it makes John kind of cringe because it's probably not even close. There's a warm-up for John. John would have done that three or four times this morning with double the 35-pound prep. Which back, we're going to talk about what he does on a daily basis. So Yeah. Let's just get into it. Yeah, let's I just like go. It. So, John, uh, welcome to the Chip and Champ podcast. We appreciate you coming in on your Sunday. Um, we're going we're gonna to jump right into this, man. So you are 55 years old. Yes. You're an obstacle course racer for the Spartan Race Division. Um, can you explain a little bit? For most people that don't know that what an obstacle course race is, can you explain to us what it is and how it's separated between sprints, ultras, beasts? Uh, and go from there, please. In obstacle course racing, Spartan, the Spartan obstacle course racing started by uh, uh, still the, the founder and CEO, Joe DeSeno, in uh, 2007 is, is when he started it. It it's continues to gain popularity uh, year after year after year. Um, they continue to add events. Uh, they're worldwide. They literally on any given weekend, there's there's a Spartan event going on at at least one or two locations in anywhere between the U.S. or and other countries around the world. So it's really gained popularity. Actually, to the point where they announced earlier in 2022 that starting in the 2028 Olympic Games in in Los Angeles. Obstacle course racing is added to the Olympic Games. Is that right? Whoa, yeah. that's that's exciting, actually. Actually, actually, yeah, they're right. they've they talked about it, but they officially announced it uh, in the spring of 2022 that the the 28th Olympic Games, which will be Summer Games, which will be in Los Angeles, will be will have obstacle course racing as one of the events in there. 
and as far as Spartan goes, Spartan is just one of the names out there. There's been several other ones that have, have jumped in after them, but Spartan was the originator in the obstacle course racing, which is about doing a, a, a combination of running and different types of obstacles between monkey bars, rope climbs, sandbag carries, bucket carries for gravel, uh, and anything you can think of. Low, low crawl. Cargo bar, nets, slides, cargo water, nets, dirt water. nets, so everything. everything. How, there, there's, we got, let's start way at the beginning. What in the world, how the hell did you get into doing, just decided one day you woke up and said, I'm going to go try to do an obstacle course? No, it, well, in, it goes back to 2016. It was three months before I turned my 49th birthday, and I was at a, a dance competition for my daughter is what it was in Lancaster. And that evening, there was a whole group of us went out to eat. There was a group photo taken on a Saturday night. It was, I was tagged. It was posted on Facebook the next day. I pulled the picture up, and I looked at the picture, and I, and I, just, I couldn't believe. I, just, I looked terrible. I was three months from turning 49, and I looked at the picture, and I thought, you know, it's time to do something. I have to and do I, something. I think you've showed me that picture. I've, showed you, I've showed you that picture before. <laughs> but it was, you know, and I, just, I kind of brushed it off a little bit, but... But oh wow! When I saw he, he showed us a picture right now of that picture yeah, of two thousand. Sure. Everybody so, before it, two thousand. You know, and I, I couldn't even look at it. It was a terrible. But anyhow, um, that was on a Sunday. Monday morning, I show up at the job site. I work construction, residential building. I've done it my whole life. I show up at the job site. An employee of mine that's been with me for twenty years walks right up to me. Never says anything else to me. Walks up to me, pats me on the stomach, and says, "Looking a little chubby there, buddy." Like uh, says it to uh, me, and it was like I knew exactly what he was talking about. I knew it was time to make a change. So anyhow, I looked at, uh, at joining a gym, doing something, and I started with a, with a personal trainer, a local gym, uh, in 2016 in July, a month before my 49th birthday. Was that birthday. Dave you were with? Huh? Was that Dave Bongiorno? That was Wendy Boslow. Wendy Boslow, okay. It was Wendy Boslow who, who was when I started okay. with her. Never stepped foot in a gym in my life until I was almost 49 years old, ever. Did a little bit of running in high school, late in high school, so a little bit of long distance, but, but, was that, but anyhow, I started with that. Um, just started with with um, just typical little bit of running, um, body weight exercise stuff, and it killed me. I think, and, you know, I worked uh, construction all my life. Oh, this shouldn't be too bad. You know, I yeah. wouldn't try 10 push-ups. I thought the world ended, you know, stuff like that. But I was, uh, the biggest thing, I was on a diet for, you know, 30-plus years working construction was nothing but pizza, soda, and, and candy bars, you know, and it right. was terrible diet. You know, that was, that was, that was part of the big problem itself but but no physical fitness nothing like that no organizing you know, fitness whatever but anyhow work with that come spring of 2017 nine months later uh the gym the gym owner there put together a group of people that tried that uh, we all tried um mud on a mountain which was an obstacle course race at seven springs seven springs i ran that yeah, so that yep. was the first one so all uphill on the ski slope all my uphill, that is a I, horrible my, race yeah it was my, my thing never run any trails anything but tri but tried it it was it was miserable rain cold yep. wet you know of the 20 people that did it 19 and said they'll never do it again i couldn't wait to do it i said this is pretty cool i'm gonna love it. it's a challenge yeah. you know it's a challenge this is this is my whole life i enjoy challenge everything i do in the building business everything i do i look at it as a challenge i want it to be difficult i want it to be more challenge i don't want it to be easy so uh, I, I enjoyed it, and I was, and I couldn't wait to you know to do it. Maybe the following year. Well, another gym member that was there had done the Spartan race in Palmerton that year, that summer, which is a tough, tough one. And after that, she said to me, "says You ought to try a Spartan race. It's really, it's really, uh, it's it's a, it's a neat thing. It's a much more organized. It's a, it's a, it's a big. You know, at that point, they've been around for ten years. At that point, is to try a Spartan, you know, a sprint in Ohio, which I, the first race was in uh, October of seventeen. So it was a, a year and two months." 
after just starting a gym, never stepped foot of the gym. At that point, I'd lost 35 pounds, felt, was feeling really good, changed my diet completely, stopped drinking soda, cold turkey, and to this day, I've never had a soda. And before that, I was drinking 8, 10 cans of soda a day, no That's water, right. not an ounce of water. That was my diet, candy bars on the run from job to job, and I did well, I tried a Spartan race, the first one I ran in the open division, finished first place in the age group, 20th overall of more than 1,000 people. You know, so Now, how far was this race? The sprint, which is a five, 5K. Okay. So three, so, a little over so three miles. Three miles and 20 obstacles. Yeah. But wow. it, was my, it was my introduction into Spartan racing, of course. that It really just went from there, you know. So I, so I that was the first one, and of course... I've uh, done a couple more, and of course, then I wanted more of a challenge, so it turned into supers, turned into, into beasts, which turned into ultras over the years. But, so um, you've been doing this now for six years, almost, yeah, seven years. How many total races, if you can recall, how many total races have you run? I've probably run 80, probably, at this point. 80 races. <laughs> yeah. And so you started off doing the sprints, where it three, four miles, and then you probably bumped into the six-milers. At what point did you say, you know what, I want to do a 24-hour race, I want to do a... 25 mile race. I know there's all kinds of different parameters behind this. When was your first really big race? The first really big race was a Spartan Ultra, which is a 50K. It was in North Carolina in November of 2019. It was miserable. It was 40 in the 40s. It rained the entire time. It was like, it, was, it rained the entire time, the whole time it was there, literally from start to finish. By, by 20 miles into the race, you were running through mud that was six inches deep on the better part of it. So it was, it was, and the thing with Spartan, the Spartan's like an NFL game, and unless it's lightning out, it goes no matter what the weather is, rain, shine, snow, whatever it is, it's, it, it, it happens. So you're, you're, there, there's nothing that's going to cancel it unless there's lightning. It's the only thing that would put people in danger. So that was my first one, nine hours, 11 minutes, finished second place in my age group, and then my first ever Spartan Ultra, 50K, nine hours, 11 minutes. Nine hours, 11 minutes you did, 50K. How many obstacles? 100? 70. 70. So I was 70, Ooh. 72. Now, so if you run, you're running these obstacles, right? So you get to an obstacle you can't do. You had to do a 25 or 30 burpee penalty. 30 burpee penalty. So how many did you have to miss? Did you miss any of that first race? The first race? Uh, I don't know exactly. Don't but but, the, but the, the rainy weather, the weather makes it, it makes it difficult because of the, a lot of them are, are, are monkey bars, overhanging yes. you know, obstacles, which makes it tough. And especially with the mud, you're adding the mud that people try to get mud on their hands. So not only are they wet, they've got mud on them, whatever. So yep. it makes it that much more challenging. So uh, obviously it was my first one, right. but I was just glad I made it through with an ultra. There's also... There's a time frame that you have to finish in and get a DNF, which you have a lot of DNFs in some of these places, especially with Killington, which we'll get into that in a little bit, which is the toughest ultra in all of Spartan. But there, there's a cutoff point um, where you have to be to a certain point in the course to get pulled from the course. So, and I was, I was fortunate. I was glad I made it and well under the cutoff point. And there, so you yeah. went from from never stepping foot into the gym. Never, to, never to stepping foot in the gym for thirty. Yeah, I living off, my whole living, life. Living off trash, roughly. Living off basically. Basic trash. Pizza, pizza at 10, 11 o'clock at night, falling asleep, drinking a Mountain Dew. To Every what, day. To, to, we're going to get into how much of a monster he is. Oh, yeah. When I, mentioned, when I texted him the last time about the podcast, he replied to me the next morning at like 4.30 in the morning when it was snowing and raining with a picture and video yes. <laughs> of him at the top of power lines. Like, he's, Every this guy's something else. Legit. So, um, for people, no, I'm not comparing my experience. Now, my buddy DJ Maligan and I have run three races total together, two races total together. Uh, we did a um, Savage race up in yeah. Poconos, yeah. and then we did the Seven Springs race. Um, and I will say to everybody that's out there, if you think these are easy, I consider myself in pretty good shape. 
If your grip strength sucks, good luck. You have to have good grip, great core. Your conditioning has to be on top. Like, if you go to the gym and just do chest tries, back and buys every day and think you can run one of these, I'll tell you right now you're going to fail. It requires so much more training than what you get in a gym. Like, this requires all life training. You have to be mobile, flexible. You have to, I mean, every parameter of fitness is going to be located in one of these in one of these um, races. So if you ever want a true test of true fitness, I challenge someone to try one of these. I and honestly, don't go to an ultra first. Try a sprint. I honestly will say, I, I think that, that although all that is important, I'm going to say it's got to be like 90% in your head. Like, especially for the 24-hour stuff. Well, 24-hour stuff. Because it's, 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 it's mental toughness. It is. Yeah, it's <laughs> mental toughness to keep going. So, yeah, as, as Joe DeSena, the founder and CEO of, of Spartan, says, all the training in the world will not prepare you for some of these races. Mental toughness will take the price every day, yes. any day, over any amount of training you could ever do for it. So, really, it comes down to you have the mental, have the, have the mental mindset to, to, to push through on, on some of the longer ones. I like to compare them a lot, too. And this is why I think I love the OCRs and the obstacle course racing. Um, it reminds me of military days. That's a lot of, you know, when I was in the military and the training with boot camp, it's mental toughness. Like, it's not designed for it to be easy. It's designed for you to kind of mentally break and rebuild. Like the Marine Corps, and the Marine Corps, they'll even tell you, our job is to mentally break you and then rebuild you back to the people we want. We want you to be a certain person. So we're going to break your, who you were mentally. We're going to put you in a position where we know you're not going to make it. We know you're going to fail. And then you're going to push past that, and then you're going to start rebuilding yourself. That's kind of what a Spartan does. You'll find yourself out there in the middle of nowhere, oh, dark 30 in the morning, you're cold, you're sweaty, your muscles are hurting, your bones are going to break, and all of a sudden you're like, I can do this. Okay. Like, I'm here. But that's where I think you really find who you really are in life. Well, with Spartan, it's not, every Spartan race is not not a long, rolling race. Obviously, they have different levels of it. Like I said, they have a sprint that's a, that's a, that's a 5K, 3.1 miles, 20 obstacles. They have a super uh, which is 10K, 6.2 mm-hmm. miles, 25 obstacles, a beast, which is a 21K, 30, 35 obstacles, and then they have an ultra, which is a 50K, which is basically just you do the beast twice is what they do wow. with with an extra loop in there because two beasts is only 20, is 42K, so right. they put an extra loop in there. So And then you get into... Um, uh, so there's Hurricane Heat, which is his team, and then they got now they've added trail racing in there too with no obstacles. So Spartan has a lot to lot to offer in there. But for anybody wanting to try a Spartan, I'd recommend trying a sprint at somewhere just to just to feel it and ask yourself if you think you could do that twice to be able to do a super and a super you have to do it twice to do a, a beast and a so on. If you could do a beast, then obviously get to to an ultra. But it takes a lot of a lot of a lot of running, a lot of training to get to to the yeah, ultra no ultra stage, which is my favorite. I love ultras. I I. I so let's let's talk about your training a little bit for these. Um, we were talking a little bit coming in about what you do on a daily basis. Right now, you're currently in your off season, correct? Well, I say I'm on off season, but the first race is is uh, in Jacksonville in thirty less than thirty four days. So when is your la- when was the last time you raced? The last time I raced was the second weekend of of uh, December in Florida. So you only had about a month off. Right now, it's been uh, yeah, it's been about five weeks. Okay, so, so you're sitting in a hammock somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm drinking. Sitting, yeah. Um, yeah. No hammocks. So for me. let's talk about just these five weeks. What what have you done to get ready for this upcoming race? I just I mean, I'd say scale back. You know, during during once once race season within another couple of weeks, where race season's just going to be around the corner, I go I, I would ramp it up a little. Right now, I, I do about um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I do an hour and a half to two hours worth of running. 
cardio first thing in the morning, running and, and uh, body weight exercises. Monday and Friday, you usually scale back, back a little bit, maybe an hour, hour and a half. Saturday, Sundays is, is two to three hours, both days of nothing but running and burpees and box jumps and pull-ups and toes to bar and, and, and calf raises. And, and so you don't take one day off? No, no days. No days my, off. My days off are just a five-and-a-half-mile run to the top of the mountain, 100 burpees, and run back down, which which is, uh, which is I run back to actually do an extra lap at the top there to get over five miles, five-and-a-half miles. It's about uh, 1,200 feet of elevation gained, five-and-a-half miles, 100 burpees at the top of the mountain. I mean, for anybody who's done, like, the sweat for vets, basically it'd be like doing that with 100 burpees at the top, and that's my, that's my rest day. So on these rest days, <laughs> now I'm going to go into a little bit of – um, so let, let's back up to some general population people. If you are, want to try a Spartan race, I would not suggest doing the John Castle <laughs> everyday workout. You will break down um, and your body will kick back. So how did you, when you first started training, this obviously I didn't, this is how you trained every day. No. Like, so you, you gradually got into yeah. the I, volume of training you have right now. Well, I, I mean, I started like anybody else. I started with running and doing doing barbell work, doing gym, gym work. You know, right. I did it. And almost two years ago, in the spring of 2021, I, I, I basically decided that I felt like I was just at a, I was at a, a, a as high as I was going to go, and I just wasn't happy with that. I wanted to advance. I wanted to be more competitive. Uh, in, in my age group for sure, but I, I, I wanted to more focus on more on running is what I did. So I, so, and then with the running, I, I you know, the better myself for, for the races, I need to train like it's race day conditions. So I need to do the running. I need to need the body weight exercise, the pull-ups, the bar hangs, bar hangs, the box, you know, everything that, and do it in the middle of running. You run front for a mile, you stop, you do 50 burpees, you run another half a mile, you stop, do 50 pull-ups, you, you run another half a mile, you do something else, you know, just basically train like it's like it's race day. And I train, all my training is in the mountains. It's, on, it's all elevation. I do no flat running at all. And I, I just, I love the mountains. I just, yeah, I, would enjoy, yeah, I enjoy trail running myself. Trail running, oh, at, at elevation, yeah, it's all, all up to it. My, my, every morning, I mean, right now, I get up at 4.30 in the morning, I, I'm out the door by five, quarter after five. Doesn't matter, I've never missed a day of running because of weather. I just, I got to dress for it. Whether it's rain, snow, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Just dress for it. Uh, I have shoes if it's really icy. I have shoes that are especially for trail running with uh, with ice on them that have have oh, they're almost like a studded snow tire at the bottom of them. So I've never slipped on the ice. It's amazing what they are. VJs from from Sweden. Uh, that's the only shoes I wear for OCR. But anyhow, I've never missed a day. So I start every day with up at 4:30 and out the door quarter after five and and run anywhere between five and, and eight miles during the week. On Saturday Sundays it's it's uh, ten to fifteen miles. Occasionally I'll, I'll do a twenty mile run. And in the middle of the twenty mile run, like I do, I just incorporate a lot of body weight exercises, stuff that I just I continue to add stuff. When so when you're doing these trainings, right? Um, do you switch like your so let's say the day you run your six miles. The next time you run, do you try to do different times? Do you have like a medium day, a higher intensity day, like? I want to go, I'm hitting a certain time frame. And the other one, you're like, I want to go a little bit lighter. I don't want to sprint this. I want to go like a little, like maybe a nine or 10 minute mile. And then the other day you're like, I'm going to try to run a seven minute mile for eight or nine miles. Yeah. Is that how you like look at things? Usually Saturday is my longest run. So Sunday is still a long run, but I, but I don't push it the way I do on Saturday. I really, really save myself. And Saturdays is, is, 
is at least, a, a two, like I say, two to three hour. That's your as go I, day. As, as I get closer, I do three to four hours sometimes of nothing but running and body weight. But so Sunday or even Monday, I try to do faster times, intervals of time where I do less body weight exercises during the run, what it is. But I really focus Saturdays on, on a lot of body weight stuff as well as a lot of mileage um, to kind of prepare myself, obviously, for the ultra, which is the longest, longest one. So to be able to hold that kind of volume in training, to be able to hold a seven-day-a-week high-volume training that you're doing, you have to have – your parameters of lifestyle have to be perfect. You have to be sleeping great. Oh, yeah. You must I mean, eat, we talk diet. You first. must eat phenomenal. And, I mean, everything in your life, I bet you, has to be pretty structured, right? So your sleep do – you, do you sleep well? I probably need to sleep more than I do, but I but uh, I, I try to go to bed by nine o'clock at the latest and up at four thirty, which is you know, seven and a half hours. But but it's good. not. It, it, sometimes it's not till ten o'clock, you know. Right. Whatever it is, but but um, I, I probably don't get quite enough sleep as that I should have. Um, as far as the diet, um, a, a lot of protein, carbs, especially carbs on the days before I'm doing really long runs. Right. And uh, and, and even even that morning, I start the day every morning with. Uh, with uh, a tall glass of water and uh, overnight oats before I go running. I, I, I don't go running without having overnight oats and, or some type of oatmeal, seems like. That's and you eat that right before you run? About a half hour before. That's, good. that's why okay. I leave to about quarter after five in the morning, 5.30. So you get up, you have this food. Now, what kind of, like, how many calories a day are you eating? You got, you're burning so many. I can imagine. Two to three thousand. That, that's it? Yeah. Three thousand. Well, oh. you know, on, on, on Friday will be more than that. For sure, like later, but because of, of Saturday, but yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's that's really good. So the reason I find that amazing is because so again, you are a you're an outlier. Most people's bodies wouldn't be able to handle that kind of volume. It would eventually start breaking down. But you look amazing. I mean, you have no signs of wear and tear. You have no signs of stopping anytime soon. So this is pretty impressive. I I feel feel good for where I'm at. Fifty five years old. I feel really good. I feel fortunate that I'm in the. I have the ability to do what I do, what I love so much, and I look forward to it uh, uh, week in and week out. I just there's there's mornings I can't wait to get up and get out of bed and put the shoes on, even if it's pouring down rain and forty degrees. I can't wait to run the mountain in the dark. That's pretty awesome. Now, do you get blood work taken a lot? Do you have like do you check your blood work to make sure that everything's good? You're not having any kind of like six bad... months or so. Every six months, I do. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Everything's everything's good. Uh, blood pressure. Every time I get a blood pressure, they said your blood pressure is about as perfect as it gets. You can't get any better than what you have. And it's always been like that, or was it it's bad like, when you were forty nine when you were overweight? Did I had you? high cholesterol. Did you? I really had high cholesterol. Oatmeal, really, whatever for whatever reason, oatmeal seemed to really bring it down. Doctors told me that, but I eat, I eat it every day. Oatmeal every day, chicken every day, salmon, those type of things for 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 protein, peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're good. Everything's perfect. Every, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. I actually just had blood work as, as early as uh, a week ago. Is what I did, and everything is good. Everything's per- everything's so perfect. Let's no, talk about like a normal diet for you. So you, we know you wake up, you have a big glass of water, um, you have your overnight oats. So you go for your run, you do your workout, you come back. What's next? As far as a diet. As far as a diet, yeah. Usually, I usually end up with uh, a large serving of uh, egg whites. Okay. Um, uh, peanut butter in a shake, protein shake. Um, lots, of, lots of protein there. Um, in, in, as far as the morning, I don't usually maybe maybe a, a bagel as well also before I leave. Right on the way way out the door. And what's a dinner look like to you? What's that about Today, dinner? Yeah. Yes. At, at, at night. Yeah. Is uh, 
usually chicken, poultry, something with with a lot of protein right. as well, as well as is uh, usually another a protein shake during uh, lunchtime also. Any snacking about. between meals or anything like peanuts, raisins, fruits, anything like that? Almonds, cashews. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Vegetables. You don't eat a lot of fruits. Uh, bananas, strawberries. Yeah. Large, uh, two, three, four bananas a day. Strawberries. Uh-huh. Broccoli, just raw broccoli. I just I, I cut it up in raw broccoli and vegetables just every day. Do you ever have days you're just like, you know what, well, I'm going to splurge and have a candy bar today. I'm going to splurge. No, and I never just, well, no. over the holidays, uh, maybe a little bit. You know, you can put, grab put a cookie a here bit, and there. Put right. uh, M&Ms or something in a bowl, you know. I'm a, I'm a, uh, chocolate is a weakness for me, so I, I can't keep it around me or I'll eat it. So. Yeah, I yeah. know that feeling. Yeah, so a little bit over the holidays, stuff like that, but it's just so once what the holidays keeps was you... I mean, I know you have obviously the discipline, but to have that motivation every day to wake up and look outside, whether you're being sick, whether you don't feel it, you're like, it's negative five degrees outside, it's snowing. What gives you that kind of drive to want to continue to do this day in and day out every single day with no break? The, the, the worse the weather is, the better I like it because it's more of a challenge. You know, even even like this past Christmas Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, where the temperatures were in the single digits with yes. the winds, I couldn't wait to get out the door and run the mountain. Is that right? Okay. So you just... This I is just, just for you. I just, just dress love it. for it. I just dress for it, yeah. And it makes it all that more rewarding when it's all done. You just feel better because it, it, was, it was a tougher run. You know, everything about it was tougher. You know, after a good, a hard workout, how you feel. You know, right. you just feel like there's days where you just feel like, you know, I don't feel like doing it. But once you once you set your mind, you do it, and you know, it's done with, then you feel, you know, I feel I feel much better. And if I don't do a run in the morning, I just feel like, uh, I feel like I didn't get any sleep the night before. That's amazing. I just, it just, I just have no energy. I guess I just feel like I just want to lay around. If I don't get out and get a run, get get five, six, seven, eight miles in, and are all at elevation, like I said, I just feel like something's missing part of the day. And and, and Spartan races because they're all run early in the morning and ultra is six o'clock in the morning. It's important to train your body to to get up and go. Get up and right. go in the morning like that. Right. You can't you can't go running at night and then and go to one of these events and get up early in the morning because your body's just not used to moving that early in the morning. So it's really yeah. important to, to 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 work out. I find that was was to advantage also. The earlier I can go, uh, the better it is long term. When I get to a race, I'm ready to go. I'm not feel like I, I need to lay down for three four more hours because this is out of the realm of what I normally do. So I mean, we've we've gone to, to dinner several times and had a lot of really good conversations between you and I. And one of the things that came up in one of those conversations was um, kind of how you've like catered your entire life to Spartan now, you know. So you, in your garage, you have a setup now, right? I do. So you have he has this rig built, okay? That is basically like a, a, the craziest, most ridiculous adult monkey bars ever. It's basically the easiest way to explain it. Like, it's, it that's is pretty cool. It is like he showed us a picture it, of it now. Yeah, it is like ladders. I, it, it's got to be one of the. So my question, with all these different crazy obstacles that they throw at you, they add new obstacles every now and then too, yeah. right? Yeah. So you don't really have even know when do they do they when do they give you an idea of what you're going to be dealing with? Oh, uh, with Spartan, you pretty much know the obstacles. They're pretty much that's right. Really and then they, they may add an obstacle or two in here or there, like a new one. They're working on changing a few of them, but 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 you pretty much know the obstacles. You just don't know. They're not all in the same order. You might you might have monkey bars early, might be late, they might be after the the, the, the low crawl, something where you're crawling through mud or or the dunk wall of rolling mud which you're going through mud pits and come yep, out yep. and they place it right after that. So you don't know where it's, it could be anywhere on a course, just depending the layout of the course. But the pretty much most of the of their forty some obstacles that they have, you know what, what they are 
uh, you just don't know where they're going to be placed accordingly on the course because everywhere they go they're different some are on flat areas some are a lot of them are ski resorts which are right. my favorite just because they're a, they, they, they pick mountain resorts where they're they're which is a great time to use it because obviously the skiers are not using them uh, during the, the spring summer and fall months you know so Depending on the, the topography of the land, they can't they can't place some of these obstacles on the steepest slopes. But but uh, the op the climbing the steepest slope becomes an obstacle as well, just yep. because yeah. like Killington has a couple that are two three miles long that are nothing but but this but the steepest climbs at 30, 40 percent grade, even even nearly fifty percent grade on some of them for, for for several miles straight. So well, that's that's your next move. I'm sorry, go ahead. You're good, go ahead. So that's your next one. You're going to Vermont, right? That's what's yeah, the next one is next. The next race is uh, is the end of uh, last weekend in February, which is in Jacksonville, which is the first race in the U.S. National Series. Okay, that's right. So you're going to the Na the U.S. Yeah. Nationals. Less than um, 34 days away. And this is going to be an ultra. Now this is a this is a, actually a sprint, but the way the U.S. National Series works, they have a super and a sprint, which I'll be doing them both. But the sprint is designated as the first race in the U.S. National Series. They they have one sprint, they have two supers and two beasts. There's five races total, and they have a point system where the first place gets a thousand points, and second place based off your interval back to to off first place there's a use a multiplier basically say if i finished in 80 minutes and second place was 100 minutes basically the 100 goes under the 80 as a fraction of 80 of 10 four fifths so basically they would get 800 points you know it's how okay. it, how yeah. it works so not only is your goal to obviously finish first but to try to put some distance on the second place or get the best time to, the best to, to basically put and at the end of the season they take what they do is take your worst point race and and deduct it and basically take your four best ones out of the five and add the points up, and the, the guy with the most points actually wins wins a wins a crown as a U.S. national champion, which I've never done before. This is the first year I'll, I'll be doing it. Well, you, this is a special invite too, right? U.S. nationals you have to be invited to. No, no, you don't have to be invited. But it's you just show up. Yeah. But it's like a big competition. I mean, yeah. it's going to be yeah, it's going to be pretty and impressive. And I mean, the, the first race is in Jacksonville. The second race is in in uh, May and and uh, Big Bear Lake in California. Uh, the third race is in Utah at, at Snow Basin Resort in Utah in July. So how do you deal with the jet lag? Do you fly to these places, right? You fly yeah. when you race? So I fly on Friday and, yes. You race Saturday? Yes. All right, so you fly in. Let's say we go to Utah or even when you go out to Vegas. Um, you hit these places. Oh, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a time lapse. There's jet lag. There's a lot of um, environmental factors that play against your body. So what do you do when you get there? Like, well, how do you recover? I've never... Never had experience. Never, never had, no, never had a problem with it. Wow. Being within the United States, which you're within three-hour time difference. Yeah. Now Hawaii, where I was at last year in August for for Spartan Race, I was there a week early, so you see that's six-hour time difference. So I had time to adjust. I got there on a Sunday. Uh, the trifecta weekend wasn't until the following weekend, so I had whole five, six days there prior to. But under normal race condition weekends, I just I get there on a Friday. Fridays anywhere between mid-afternoon, late afternoon to as, as late as as early evening. You know, so I don't, I don't have a problem. That may even be a benefit, honestly. Yeah. Right? Because I can picture you so you're this in tone and you're set up perfectly to be the best you can be when you're here. But then you fly to an exotic place that's a nice place like Hawaii. And I'm going to spend a week in Hawaii before I have to do this race. And there's right. all this, every, I mean, it's temptations everywhere. Of course. To, of course, when I was in Hawaii for the week before, I had to run every day. Yeah. 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 No doubt. I'd, but it was all flat running. It was on it was on sidewalks on the beach and whatever it was. So it was different what I had. But I just wanted to stay. I just wanted to want to stop running for, for a week, you know. And then the different run. era over there too, like not quite as uh, uh, 
the humidity is different. I mean, it's just the way you breathe is different. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of changes. I, I just, I didn't have a problem adapting to it. I mean, it's a little challenging, but it's not like it's... Uh, now, what about when you fly from Pennsylvania, like, when it's cold out and you fly into a warmer environment by 30, 40 degrees? Do you have a problem with that? I have no problem at all. You can just say your body just, is so adapted to being able just to change. Just, just last month and... I feel like a German Shepherd. That's how German Shepherds do stuff. They just kind of adjust. <laughs> yeah, last month and... Uh, in uh, December, where I went to Central Florida for the trifecta, I mean, it was in the 30s here. I got there, it was 80 degrees. You know, I didn't have any, any, no trouble with it at all, 80 humidity. So it was quite different from there. From And I got there Friday evening. Uh, I was up and ready to go Saturday morning, you know, the ne next day. So I don't have, I have no trouble with that at all. Now, the only trouble, uh, as far as you say about jet, jet lag or anything, was last year at the Ultra World Championship was in Telluride, in Colorado. So I went from, from here, which I got there a couple days before, uh, it was a 24-hour race, but the altitude was, was the game-changer there, where it was, uh, the start line was at 9,000 feet, uh, yep. and the highest point of the course was 11,400, which were where the sandbag and the bucket carry were, Ooh. which you're, you're exerting yourself at, in an altitude that's much higher than what we have here. So it was... Uh, it, it was a little uh, hard I, on the lungs. I, I, I felt it, yeah, I felt that for sure, but other, other than that, I didn't, uh, anywhere else, I didn't go anywhere much higher than seven or 8,000 feet, and it didn't, it didn't affect me at all, but that was definitely slowed you down, but, you know, everybody's in the same condition unless you lived in that area where right. you were you're adapted to it, which which that kind of ratio of people coming from not only all over the country but all over the world on a 24-hour race like that right. now at any time during your training year do you do elevation training like do you put one of those elevation training masks on or do you do any I kind tried of... it for a while and it just I didn't think it really made a difference I heard the science I, behind I, that I, wasn't very good I've heard that they said when they first came out they thought they were the greatest things yeah. ever and the science behind it now is saying they're not as good as... It's not as good. I've tried a little bit of just breathing through your, no through your nose and not your mouth, just basically. Nasal breathing which, only. Which, which restricts your breathing a little bit, just it's doing that. I do that a little bit, but I don't I don't really go all out with that. I just, I feel like um, it's not a problem with me anywhere I go. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I yeah, have a problem sure. with it. Yeah. yeah, it's obviously working. Whatever you're doing is working. Um, I had another question. I forget what it was. I was going to... Oh, so we talked about this earlier. Um, <laughs> we talked about something called the Spartan Death Race. Can you explain to us what that is? And where it's at? The Spartan Death Race is at a farm in, in Vermont. It's held actually twice a year. They actually have a winter one that, uh, that they have in February and then a summer one, summer death race. And it's not a typical race as you're, where you're racing other people. It's basically a race against your, your mental toughness and your will to survive where, where it goes for 72 hours. And the, the uh, <clears throat> organizers of it, which Joe DeSena himself is, is one of the top guys who who's, again, the founder and CEO of Spartan, they create, any, they throw anything and everything at you, and you don't know what's coming for 72, 70 to 72 hours straight, and they want you to quit. Their goal is to have nobody standing at the end. And, and if anybody's standing, then they feel like they, they've been defeated themselves, so they, they, they really push you. So Within that 72 hours, can you make the decision, hey, I need an hour nap. I'm leaning against this tree. I'm going to take an hour nap and go. So there is no sleeping. No. Nothing. No, no water stations? You take your own water? Take is that your own water. So you put a water pack on, put a camel pack on, and go. You have a backpack with mandatory gear that you have to have on you the whole time. Yeah. yeah. So, I've, so I saw videos of this before, um, and I had to laugh because... So I tell you, three of the stations I saw where they took off in the first five miles, you're carrying this axe. And five miles in, you have to chop away at this stump. And this is, this is we're talking about a stump the size of this table. It's yeah. huge. Yep. And it took them a couple of hours to get it out. It's a deep stump. They get them out. They have to carry the axe and the stump 
for another several miles. Right. And That's then they awful. put it down, and next thing you know, they pick up this giant rock, almost like an atlas stone. And for the next six miles, they had to throw it, walk up to it, pick it up, throw it, walk up. For six miles. Like, they do That's crazy, ridiculous shit. That's it. I mean, their goal is to have you not make it. They don't want you standing at the end, you know. And if, you, if you're one of the few that make it to the end, you get the coveted Spartan skull. How they had? How many people? Have, do you know how many people have ever completed a death race? Last year, I mean, I just started falling the last couple of years. Last year in 22, there was uh, 55 signed up. There was uh, about 35 that even showed up, and three made it. Three completed. Wow. Three people. Three people. And they had to be completely exhausted. But completely exhausted. Oh my yeah. god! I can sure. imagine. So, so you want to give that a shot? Uh, maybe that's that's itching onto the plate for twenty four. Not yeah. this year. I got a lot of things on the plate this year. How many races are you looking at this year? Sorry. Right now, no, thir- right now, thirty six, thirty six on the schedule. Spartan races, uh, at least ten trifectas, um, maybe more than that. But at least, at least that. I got a, a toughest mutter in Pittsburgh, and then the world's toughest mutter, which is in uh, in Dallas this year. Which so I'm not that. real smart. Which is why I hang out at the gym, but uh, there's, there's 52, only there's fifty two weeks in a year. There's only fifty two weeks in a year, and you're so, there's thirty. You're, he's doing a lot. Oh you're well, gonna be a busy guy. You said well, thirty six plus those other ten. Yeah, but so that's forty six almost every weekend. Damn it's near. not every weekend because Spartan race. Spartan when they carry an event, they have a, usually have at least two, if not three, of the races on a weekend, given weekend. Ah, uh, gotcha. So, so a lot of these like locations, when I'm doing two or three races on the same weekend. That's your trifecta, as you're talking. Okay. Well, a trifecta in Spartan, you can there aren't a trifecta. You can do it one of two ways. You can either either do a, a a sprint, a super, and a beast at three different locations over three different weekends, or you can do what's called a weekend trifecta, where you do all three of them. And a, and a lot of these places, they have a, a they have a trifecta weekend. Well, They'll, they'll host a, a beast on a Saturday. They'll host a super on a Sunday morning and a sprint on a Sunday afternoon. And, and basically, I do all three of them to earn a trifecta, not only a trifecta, but what's called a weekend trifecta as well. And if an ultra is available, which it's, it's available on probably half the weekends that have, have a trifecta, then I will do the ultra instead of the, instead of the beast, which is basically a, doing the beast course twice with an extra loop in there. So you're, you're doing the beast two times. The first lap, you're doing an, an additional... Uh, eight to ten k in there to get your fifty k's, which has two or three three more obstacles on top of that, which has you over seventy obstacles. So when you were like, when you were my age in your mid thirties, would you have ever in a million years thought this is what you'd be doing? No, never. Not I mean, so not that I'm taking away from the Spartan racing things, but I know you personally that you do you did some other things even before this. I did. You know, so one of the things that I think is really cool was he did a lot of diving. Oh really? Yeah. You're a diver. A scuba diver. Uh, f- like for like a rescue diver type stuff? or no, just recreation. Just recreation stuff? Yeah. Did you ever go into Racetown and get down and see the houses? I was, well, not the houses. I've been in the day. I've, I dove Racetown for 20, 21 years. I've been inside the old building probably 100 times. Is that right? Racetown Dam, powerhouse. Yeah. Inside it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That started, my, my father, who's an engineer, lives in New Jersey, structural engineer. He brought scuba diving into his, his business as as an option for underwater inspection, as they would inspect bridge piers and, uh-huh. and stuff like that. So he brought it in. Uh, and as a kid, as a young kid, he would take us, when I would go to visit him in, in New Jersey, he would take us, myself and my brother sister, into a swimming pool and, and try it out a little bit. It was just a, you know, five, ten, eight foot deep of water, whatever it is. I thought it was pretty cold back in the, you know, in the 80s. It wasn't until, and I always said I wanted to get a certified, get a certified diver, and it wasn't until 90, 95 on a, um, on a, 
on a Caribbean cruise what I did, and they offered a, uh, that I was on, they offered a scuba experience in Aruba in 95, so I, I tried it, and it was pretty cold, 10, 15 feet of water real quick, you know, just a briefing on diving, and they took you out, it wasn't anything crazy, right. but it was the first time really in the water, other than a pole breathing underwater, it was pretty cold, and the first thing I did when I got back that summer was was look for location to get certified, and diving's not a huge sport in this area because of the location to go, but uh, Hollingsburg Y was offering it as long as they had um, three people signed up, so I signed up and I waited until the fall of 96 till they had two more signed up, took the course, passed the course, got my open, open water certification in 96 and started diving, uh, basically the, the instructor, Kenny Charlesworth, said, you know, in order to keep your, your, your uh, skills up, you'll need to continue diving of some sort, you know, over the next six to 12 months because you'll you'll forget about them. So he recommended I go to this dive shop at Racetown and I, I met up with a dive shop owner there. And when I was there, um, I met up with another guy, John Schaefer, who had just got certified there himself. And, and him and I started diving together. And for 20 years, we became the, the, the John and John dive team at, uh, for, at Seven Points Marina where we started diving right? different sites. And we dove uh, uh, Fink's Bridge, which is right out from Seven Points. But yep. then we eventually got into... Uh, um, the old dam, the old powerhouse, which is, is two miles up from the existing dam. Yep. It's 100, 130 feet down, 100, 130 feet or so to the top of it, down to it, uh, the very top of it, the I beam. But we, I've been inside the building. I probably have more than 100 dives. Him and I, we dove um, Hans Bridge, which is below the old dam, which crossed over the Juniata River, we've been in there on the lowest part of the, the bridge. There was a, a building that we were told called the Gaging Tower, which at one point we dove, we, we found it. it. took us a while to find it, but it was off the end of the bridge and went to the bottom of that, which caught us at 160 feet of Raystown Lake. Uh, with with you know diving at Raystown Lake is uh, takes a, takes a lot of of, of uh, uh, a skill to do it. Yeah, because it's murky. It's murky. I can't cold, even imagine. 40, Forty degrees. So we went to the bottom of that. Uh, so did you ever see Raystown Ray? Never saw Raystown. What's the Ray. biggest fish you ever saw in there? I've heard there were some pikes the size of Josh in there. The biggest fish I saw maybe a striper that was maybe twenty inches maybe. Really? A couple lake trout that were on top of. The, on top of the, the powerhouse on the wall, on the dam itself, you know, well, I've seen them, but but the water down there is so cold. There's very few fish that, that are down there. I mean, we were diving the cold water stuff yeah. at the bottom. You say about the houses, there's no houses per se down there. The foundations were left behind, but any anything that would have floated to the surface, they uh, would have removed right? it. They would have removed it, left the face, left the foundation, and there's just mur it doesn't look any more than like a pile of mud or whatever it is. Yeah, okay. It's How dark? I mean, it's got to be pitch black. Yeah, there's no surface light. You have to have lights on you. Completely. Like, <laughs> if the light yeah. goes out, you can't no see anything. Yeah. Nothing. So, so you're 130 feet underwater. 130 feet to the top of the dam. Inside the building's 154 feet to the floor of the With no building. Light. No thanks. No, yeah. Hard pass. Inside the Hard no. In, inside the so I can see where this metal like capacity that he has is coming from because yeah. there ain't no way in hell. I'd, well, that was, you know, that was, again, like I say, look at this channel. Once I started, we just did a little shore dive, and it was like, okay, I need something more than this. This is too, too boring, so it turned into, I got an advanced open water certification a year later, and then uh, a year later, I got a technical diving certification, started diving uh, mixed gas so I could go deeper, less decompression, so it got, uh, it got me into diving with a dry suit or on gas and the whole work, so, and it was funny that, that, that when I started going to a gym in 2016, 
uh, in July of 2016. In October was the last time I'd taken a breath underwater. The guy that I dived with, he was he was about 10 years older than me or better. He would have been 60 years old at the time, almost 60 years old at the time, and just decided that we uh, weren't going to do much diving. He had a boat. We always took the boat out and just decided that uh, uh, we were going to, we were maybe a, a, here or there we would go, but we were we were doing it pretty regularly at that point. But um, but, but kind of my, my whole my whole hobby went from going from diving for twenty some years to now now gym and fit, physical fitness gym yeah. at forty nine years old, which turned into Spartan racing a year later, which which uh, has pretty taken awesome. off from there. Good for you. Kind of became you. And yeah. that's where I'm at. That's where I got to where I'm at today, and I look forward to it every 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 week. I can't wait for the next race, you know. And, you know, even Killington, Vermont, which we talked about earlier, was waves into the schedule as the toughest race in all of, all of Spartan, for sure. Uh, many people go there and just hope to finish it. They have about a 65 to 70 percent DNF rate there at that, that where people try for years and years. I've done it two years. The first year I did it, it took me almost 13 hours. Uh, in 2021, 2022, I did 11 hours and eight, eight minutes. Uh, I had first place by an hour and 20 minutes over the second place guy. Wow. Um, that's and, insane. And it was, um, it's it's one of those places where it's just like, I count the days, 207 days, by the way, till, till Killington's this year. I have less than 207 days. <laughs> Not that anybody's counting. Not that anybody's counting, but wow. 207 days till it's in September 16th. But it's even the night before, I just, I can't wait to go. It's, I'm like a little kid on Christmas Eve where I just, I can hardly sleep the night before. And I'm ready to do, you know, 31 and 32 miles, you know, the next day of, of plus elevation. Like I said there, it's a, it's... It's the toughest. It's got this past year in 22. It was 32.8 miles. Had 16,900 feet of elevation go over the 32.8 miles with that 70 obstacles. Something else. Yeah. Good for you. I just can't. I can't get over. I mean, like like I said, we've 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 had a couple dinners and. You know, we've been talking about stuff, and at one point I said something to the extent of, "Oh, we should go do like a thousand steps. That sounds like fun." And John's response to that was about telling us about how the last time he did the thousand steps. How 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 was your last? Well, when I get a thousand steps, I would take a sandbag or a log and I carry it to the top. I mean, that's occasionally. In addition to my running every morning, if I get home from work early enough, I, and, and, and once we get into spring, summer, where the daylight a little bit later, I'll run down to a thousand steps and I run to the top with a sandbag or a log carry. Something just uh, as, a, as a little bonus uh, exercise that day. That's insane. There's something wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I'll tell you what, um, I'm. From what I hear, this is it's impressive. You are very um, you're one of a kind to have to be able to do that. Not just that, and I'm not saying you're old, but at that age, from 49 to 55 in the last six years, um, the way you train and the amount of volume and how you handle that, um, it really is world class. That is something that not a whole lot of people can handle, including myself. Um, that volume is pretty intense. So you you definitely have something special inside of you to be able to handle that, whether it be the motivation, the discipline, whatever it is. I mean, you're killing it, man. Keep it up. It's it's, it's pretty impressive. It's a challenge. It's it's what I enjoy. is a challenge, and you know, and, he, and and once I get to that point, I just that I that I've completed, then I raise the bar another notch. You know, I just keep doing it, and and uh, because it keeps you motivated, it keeps you going. You know, it keeps you it keeps you on the right diet, keeps you on the right track. Yeah. I just like I said, I, I don't don't do a run in the morning. I just feel like I feel like I. I, I something's missing out of my whole day if I don't get up early enough and get going and and get that early morning run in there. So how long do you plan on doing this for? As long as you can. Well, Spartan offered a, this year for the first time ever, they offered what's called an unbreakable pass, a three-year season pass, which I which I purchased it as one of the early birds. And so basically I got a Spartan three-year pass rate. Now three-year, 
unbreakable past for for not just Spartan. Spartan has acquired several other businesses. One one is uh, Tough Mudder, which yeah, or they bought them out, right? They bought them out, and there's yep. there's other ones as well. So I'll be doing I'll be doing in addition to uh, a, a one or two probably Savage races. I'm going to mix. Tough Mudder in there also, which is part of the Spartan Unbreakable Pass. So I got at least three more years on the pass there. As long as I can do it, as long as I enjoy yeah. doing it, um, I, I'll, I'll continue doing it. Uh, so you, I got pictures sent to me. Uh, what, what was the that last twenty-four hour one you did? Well, Spartan every year has a what they have is an Ultra World Championship. It was a twenty-four which hour race, which is basically a multi lap. Uh, it was supposed to be in North Lake Tahoe at the end of September, two weeks after after Killington, where I was at in, in 22. But unfortunately, nine days, just less than 90 days prior, nine days prior to the start of it, uh, Spartan was put in a, in a position where they had to make the call and they had to cancel the event because it was a forest fire burning, uh, uh, not far from it, North North California, uh, Creighton had uh, unhealthy conditions, I guess, at that point. So, so uh, never doing a tough mutter ever. In, in my life, let alone a, a world's toughest mutter, Spartan, who owns Tough Mudder, offered all those registers in the Spartan Ultra World Championship a free pass to the world's toughest mutter, which is Tough Mudder's World Championship, 24-hour race. So I, I took the free pass. It was a $500 registration, but I just took it um, as, as part of the, uh, uh, they offered to do it. So that was, uh, what that was, was Tough Mudder's World Championship, 24-hour race, five-mile five mile laps, basically the most miles wins the race at the, at the end of the day, which are running an age group again, 55 years old, never done it before. 22, qual 22 qualifiers started a race, including my, myself and 21 others. Uh, at the end of the end of the 24 hours, less than 24 hours, 23 hours and 13 minutes into it, I had 65 miles in 13 laps. I was one lap ahead of the second place guy, which I had the time to do another lap. Could have had 70 miles in. But um, I was a full lap ahead of him, and the second place guy was only going to get one more lap, but he was a right. full two hours behind me. So basically, there was no there was no advantage to it. The next, the next, uh, I guess, prize would have been a seventy-five mile bib, which I wasn't going to get the seventy-five miles. But it was brutal conditions. It was a day. It was a, it was a day that, like, just like Spartan with Avida, doesn't doesn't matter what the weather like. The weather really wasn't bad. It was the temperature, and with, with unlike Spartan's event, there was no water obstacles in their 24-hour event. Where Tough Mudder, half the 20, there was 20 obstacles, five mile, five mile uh, lap, 20 obstacles, and half of them you're in water. Yeah. Several of them you're uh, completely crazy. submerged in water. And and a, and a day that started uh, Friday. It was on a Saturday at noon it started, but on Friday it was 80 degrees. Saturday morning up at 65. Noon it started, it was 60, and by nightfall it was in the 40s. By 3 a.m. it was it was well down in the 30s. And, and you were in these you water were, Literally, you were the first lap of, of the race, there was no obstacles, so that was the only, only, you ran the whole five miles. And then it was water obstacles that just got added to it. So you were literally wet for 22-plus hours. So How do you beat hypothermia on that? It, it was the hardest. I had to fight for every I was wow. shivering the whole time, but if I stopped moving, literally, I had to just keep moving, keep moving. I never had to fight so hard, and it took me, literally, my fingertips were numb for about six weeks afterwards so I get the feeling back into it. But it was one of those things where at, at some point you're in the lead, you know you're leading, you know you got right. a sizable lead, and the adrenaline just kicks in and keeps you going. You know, it just basically you I just fight like, off. With, I brought this up to bring up this point. So you're a successful businessman. You've worked your entire life up into this point. You've done a great job of, you know, have, working for things that you want and earning those things. And it's pouring down rain or it's really, really cold. It's pitch black outside. And you know you're going to win. 
how do you what what just keeps you going? What what makes you go? You know what? I need to finish this because that's got to be the hardest thing ever. Never ever like, doing it. I, I mean, playing Spartans, Savage Race. I've I've done even Bone Frog was another one out there. Several of them I've done. I'd never done a Tough Mudder, let alone the Tough Mudders World Championship, which is the world's toughest mudder. There were several competitors there from several different countries there, you know, and just uh, you get to the point where you're either, if you stop, you're going to be done with the hypothermia, or, or you just keep pushing yourself and you get to the point where you're, you're in the lead, and, and the adrenaline just takes, takes over, you know, and right. you know, you, you just, if you keep going, you know you have a chance of, of, of winning this thing, and it just uh, that that part of it was uh, was there. And I had uh, I had Lynn Gardner, who was uh, my my best friend, my fiance, with me, and she was in the in the transition era. She gave every lap that came around. She had anything I needed. She was uh, it was it was truly that was a teamwork. Yeah, she's good. She's good. She she, she was sending me pictures yeah, yeah, at was, like real time yeah. and and sending she's, me. She stayed up the whole time, and you know from lap after lap, she was there whatever I, whatever I needed. I told her before I come around, have me this. Or this or this, and she had it ready when we were ready to come through. You cross the finish line, and then uh, uh, there's a short section there where, the, where there's transition. We have tents set up, whatever like like that. She had whatever I needed, and then as you come come to the start line, and you know people that were that were fighting hypothermia, whatever it might be at that point, you know they they made you read off. They had a sign with with sayings, math problems, whatever they. Made I was just gonna ask you, are they, are they tracking to make sure these people are like? Because of being so close to hypothermia, do they have like a medical team to be assessing at each station, saying, "All right, this guy's done." Well, before you could cross the start line to start another lap, they had they had an official there that basically they had signs up, they had they had animals on it, they had math problems, they had phrases where you had to read all this off so to make sure you were in the right frame of mind. Right. If you if you couldn't read it, you couldn't add it up, you couldn't you do anything. Done. You basically were pulled from the course. Wow, that's something. So you had to do that every lap to be able to continue on. Yes. Wow. This is like right. good beyond so next level. <laughs> so I felt I felt pretty I felt really good just you know, you know and just even though I could have done another I had the time basically how it is it starts at twelve o'clock by twelve o'clock the next day twenty four hours later the start line is closed off and you have to one thirty to finish that lap to get the miles you have to finish a lap for it so at eleven thirteen I crossed the finish line for the thirteenth time so I still had another basically two hours and 15, 16, 17 minutes to complete another lap, get 70 miles. But at that point, I knew when I started that last lap, all I had to do was make it to the finish line because I was tracking where the second place guy was who has done this six times previously. Wow, the second place that's guy. insane. And, and uh, he, I guess he probably didn't, I mean, this is my first time ever doing it, so he probably thought he had the first place in, in, in the bag, but obviously he didn't. Didn't, re- didn't realize that uh, he wasn't I was expecting there, you I, to be there. I wasn't about to give up at right. any at any point of it. So good for um, you. So you know, and just it was it was funny. Just coming around that turn, that last turn, and seeing the finish line. When I crossed the finish line, it just uh, just overcome with emotion, and just I, I fell to my knees at the finish line. It was oh, uh, yeah, I'd it was uh, it was, uh, it was pretty uh, rewarding to say the least. Yeah, yeah. That's impressive, John. Um, man, I just. I'm at a loss for words. Like this is just yeah. The what what you're doing is just it's, I mean it's not commendable is even the word. It is just it's remarkable of this, what you do. This year, the world's toughest mutter, which is which is in Dallas this year. I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking. My goal is to get at least 75 miles. Obviously, I want to repeat his first place again for a second time. Right. Um, but I. But my really my big goal is to get at least 80 miles, which is a record. No 50 plus year old has ever gotten more than 75 miles at one of these events as long as they've been having these. So 
I, I'm really pushing so you, to get. I'm really you got pushing, a record to break. I'm really pushing to get 80 miles this year and, and, and claim the claim the record. Yes, that's impressive. Vermont, which I, I two years ago 12 hours and 56 minutes. Last year was 11 hours and eight minutes. I'll, I'll be I'll be I'll be under 11 hours at least, if not 10 and a half, guaranteed. So I'm, I'm wow. So I just and I keep I keep and I look at my time from the year before and I keep. Uh, since I've completely changed to really focus on running and and a, and just a lot of body weight exercises, I, my time continues to get better. Even even a, a super uh, in in Florida, where I've never ran a super in in less than sixty minutes. I not only less than sixty, I did it in, in less than fifty five at fifty four twenty eight. My previous fastest was in uh, Virginia just six weeks before, which was one hour and forty five seconds. Uh, were there. That was the fastest by four minutes. So you know, just from six weeks later, I better my time by by another six minutes in a, in a super. So I just I, I feel like I continue continue to improve. So as long as I see myself continue to improve, it's the motivation to keep doing what I'm doing. Yep. Man, that's impressive. Well, I worked you out know. twice today, and I still feel like I feel kind of like a piece of shit right yeah. now. I feel like we should probably go. You're run. run now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to do, do burpees or something. Do you have any more questions at all, Josh? I do not. I just, I mean, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out to come in. Um, I'm talking about it. Yeah, I really, I'm, really I'm, like hanging out with you too. Spartan's a great. It's a. It's a great organization. The people there are great. And there you go. I. I, I highly recommend anybody uh, to, to not to be scared away. Try a sprint. Try a try first one. You'll 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 really enjoy it. Yeah, not everybody has to gear themselves up to do an ultra or a twenty four hour race, but uh, but Spartan has has uh, shorter versions, which are, 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 are people have a lot of fun doing them. Yep. Register in the open division. There's a lot of people there. I mean, there's on any given weekend, there's several thousand people there uh, doing these. So yep. it's 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 and I see the popularity just from year to year as I'm doing it. Just get, continue to get more and more popular, adding more locations. It's just it's a great thing. Well, I'm sure we'll organize one here probably this coming year and uh, I'm thinking we're going to see if we have anybody at the gym I like yeah. that one of the Poconos we go up there to um, uh, Palmerton what's it called you mean the Spartan race yeah Maryland Springs I'm sorry we go to Maryland Springs for one um, and then we did one up in Erie what is that one that we did I can't think of the name of that place oh Albertsville or Al Albertsville did you ever go to Albrightsville? That's a savage race. I'm sorry. That's a savage race. The savage yeah. race. So we did Albrightsville. That's a pretty fun race. That's at the paintball place. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's a really good I race. That's that. what I did. So we might be doing it again this year, but uh, maybe I'll reach out to Spartan and see if we can organize one for get a team together and go out there. So, John, where can people find you at if they want to find you and kind of keep up with you and how you're doing? Do you have Instagram page that they can watch you at? I don't have an Instagram page. I mean, I I, have, I post my. My, a lot of my results and uh, my, my progress through Facebook, I do. Okay, and what's your Facebook handle? My face, Facebook, just John J. Castle. John J. Castle. Yeah, jo okay. well, it's just under John Castle, yes. Okay, so if anybody needs him, um, if anybody would like to check him out and keep up with him for this for this race here, go find him on Facebook at John Castle. Um, also under Castle Farm, so if you come up there, you see a bunch of gorgeous houses. That'll be John's. So that'll be where he's at. You see an awful lot more crazy pictures of John. Yeah, John like running, That's carrying things. Yeah, it's, it's big difference between passion and lifestyle, huh? That's yeah. it. Creating a lifestyle is one thing. Creating a passion that that's what life's about. It. Yep, that's I, what. And that's what you should be looking it's, for. It's, it's challenging, and it's, uh, it's 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 a great uh, it's a it's a great sport. It really it really is. I love. I've always loved running. Uh, I strictly do trail running, which I, I switched to all that about four years ago, and uh, it's just uh, there's nothing like running, running, doing trail running, running through the woods, and and just. Um, I got one last question for you. Yes. How many shoes do you go through in a year? How many running shoes do you must burn through? It's all that running you're doing. I probably go through ten or twelve pairs. Do you really? Wow. In a year. 
That's insane. You have to be burning through yeah. that as many miles. It's right. taken me a lot. It take me a lot of years to really get comfortable with certain pairs. I've tried so many pairs. I right. I bought brand new hundred fifty dollars shoes before, and I've worn them for a week. And was like these aren't going to work. You know, once right. you wear them outside, you can't you can't turn them. So, yeah. but and, and, unless they're going, I mean, they have to feel just right for yep. me. And I've really. Uh, I've said I've shied away from it a couple times to try the other ones, but I've run with a brand called VJ, which are made in Sweden. Or they're an OCR. You said earlier, VJ. Yeah, so. they're they're just they got tremendous grip. It's amazing. You can run on on rocky trails, no matter what wet. It just feel they feel like they get suction cups. I have no problem with it. It's amazing. Also, when you go to some of these events and watch these people that that just run maybe the roads or track or something like that, and you get into a lot of these Spartan events or in, in technical train, and I and that's made a difference just switching my training to all that right there, yep. where, where I don't even look down at the ground anymore. I mean, it's just uh, my feet have adapted, my, my legs have adapted to uneven surfaces, and if you don't do that, you, you're going to find yourself running, yep. running. If you're trying to be competitive, like, you know, every Spartan race is not not all competitive. They have an open division, which, again, which is a majority of the people that run it. Um, that just uh, people that are just there to have fun and try the obstacles and just see what see what they can do, you know. Um, but when you're trying to be competitive, you really have to. Uh, yeah. Your gear is very important. Gear is very important. You have to train like a race day. Right. Yeah. Wow. Pretty impressive. Well, listen, everybody. We appreciate everybody listening. Um, John, what a pleasure having you on, man. This was absolutely amazing. Um, Learn about the OCRs. Just listen to what you've accomplished in your life. Um, and what is about to come and so much more of this to go. We can't wait to watch you. This is going to be a pretty amazing year and we're, we're excited for you. I'm, I'm so. glad to be here. I'm glad to talk about it. And Great. anybody has any questions about it, uh, I, I'd gladly answer any questions they have. Uh, uh, it's a great sport and that's, uh, that's one everybody should at least try once, twice. Awesome. Yeah. All right, anything to add, Josh? Nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully try something like similar to that this year, I think. Yeah, he is. I think I think I'm gonna think I'm gonna make an attempt. I've been doing a lot more running lately. You're gonna seven sprays and go up the side of the mountain. It's more I, of a walk the whole way up to the top of that one. I think you should get a whole group and go to go to West Virginia. West Virginia is, is the nicest venue I've ever been to. Really? I mean, they're all they're all nice, but West Virginia has a great Spartan venue. race. Spartan race. Yeah, it's a it's a trifecta weekend. They've got a beast on Saturday. They've got a super sunny morning, a sprint Sunday afternoon. It's a it's a great location. Look into what what when would that be in the summer? That's the weekend before Labor Day. It's in August. Last August, week in August. even better. That gives me plenty of time, time to organize. Yeah, we can have the Gorilla House Gym presents yeah. Chimp and the Champ team. We could. I'm yes. in. Okay, we're good to go. It's about a five hour drive. It's in southern West Virginia, but That's it's right. a it's at a ten thousand acre Boy Scout camp. Was what Oof. it is. It was it was a it was originally a strip farm that uh, a large developer from California bought it. Uh, come in and put trails, put man made lakes, put everything in, and donated to the Boy Scouts. And it just it's just a it's a it's a nice location for the whole whole. I've family. been there. Yeah. I'm, back, I'm an Eagle Jean. Scout, and I actually was there. Glen Jean at the summit. Yeah, yeah. Summit backdoor reserve. Yeah, and it's um that it, man. That's been a lot of years. That place is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Like, it's it's really like it's it's really. It's, it's not like going to. We'll get that yeah, organized. It's not like going to Seven Springs. It's no, it's like, not. It's, not it's, at all. We'll get that organized. It's pretty fancy. It's a large. It's a big place, and it's just it's really set up nice. It's one of the nicest places I go to for that. Right, we heard it here. John Castle has convinced us to go to West Virginia. So West Virginia. You're listening. And you want to do a, spa, a Spartan race with us this year? Reach Sounds out. like uh, August is going to be our time. So we can I throw together we'll some training going. on Friday nights. Yep, Last we'll weekend. get that ready. A lot of grip strength training. Good luck. Yeah. Start doing your pull-ups. So last weekend in August. Mark it on your calendar. Okay, we're there. Definitely keep an eye on you this year. Good luck, John. We appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Sure.